Welcome to the Landmark Apostolic Church's podcast. Hear me today. Every piece of the armor is important. Every piece of the armor is vital. But truth is the foundational aspect to the entire get up. It is the, it is the foundational aspect to everything else. We've got to know truth. We've got to understand it and to know it. And when we do, it separates us from everybody else. Known truth is what makes you free. I'm here preaching to this morning that who and what you are surrounded by is vital. Who and what you are surrounded by is important. You cannot be deceived. Don't be misled because evil company corrupts good character. While you're still standing, go with me, if you would, to the book of 1 Corinthians. Chapter number 15. We'll begin reading at verse number 30. Amen. I want to share something with you uh, that the Lord uh, shared with me this past week. And um, we had a great service at the 9 a.m. service. And that same Jesus is in this place. Amen. Starting at verse 30. And why stand we in jeopardy every hour? I protest by your rejoicing, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord, that I die daily. If after the manner of men I have fought with beasts at Ephesus, what advantage is it me if the dead rise not? Let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Be not deceived. Paul's telling them, don't be misled. Evil communications corrupt good manners. Another version says evil company corrupts good character. And I just want to speak to you for the next little bit on this title. Just simply surrounded. Surrounded. Amen. And if you will help me like the 9 a.m. church did, you may be seated in Jesus' name. Lord bless you. This past weekend, we celebrated Father's Day, and uh, being a father is very, very special to me. Um, I think in in life, it's one of the greatest blessings that there is in order to... um, have children and uh, to be a dad it's it's one of the coolest challenging things can all the dads say amen sometimes it is a it is a challenge but it is uh it is such a blessing and it brings me such joy and happiness and I love watching our two boys grow up together. They, Easton is seven, going on 14. Uh, the kid has an unbelievable mind. Um, I showed him something the other day. You know those, uh, those things at Cracker Barrel where you got the little peg holes and you gotta, you know, if you have four left, you're an ignoramu or something like that. Um, 
Anyways, I, I learned how to defeat it every single time, how to end up with one every single time. Of course, I think we we're talking, those are probably a thing of the past since COVID-19, that they probably won't ever have those out for like years. All right, you have to like bring your own whenever you go to Cracker Barrel. And I would probably bring my own because that is just all about Cracker Barrel. It's a part of the experience. But I showed him how to do it one time. And he memorized it, I mean, just like that. And I mean, one time I told, there's a story that goes along with it. He memorized it. And then we tried to show Morgan. She still doesn't get it. (laughs) She's not in here, so I could say that. She still can't get it. I showed him one time, but he's he's got a brilliant mind. And then and then there's Bennett. He's he's three years old, and and I love getting to watch these boys. They're getting to the age where they can, um, you know, have a full on conversation with each with each other. We love to stop and just kind of listen in on the conversations that they're having in the next room. It's kind of funny to hear two small humans communicating with each other. I don't know what it is, but it's just something fascinating about it. But that they're able to hold conversations. They're able to, Bennett is at that age where he gets having, playing a joke on brother or mom or something like that. Like we love to play funny pranks on each other and, and, and the boys jump in and they just have a blast. Bennett is almost big enough to be thrown into the wrestling match because whenever you're in a house of boys, that's what you do. You wrestle and break furniture. That's just what it's all about being a boy. All right. Some of you girls are like, what are you talking about? I wrestled when I was a girl. I I know. I believe you. And there are some of you I wouldn't want to tangle with. All right. But but pretty soon, Bennett will be able to throw him in there. But right now, he's just he's just too small. But I, I love watching their interactions. It's amazing to me how they they are able to have an impact on each other. They're able to influence one another. I like to watch Easton do something or ask for something. And then pretty soon I look over at Bennett and he's wanting to do the same thing and ask for the same thing and go to the same place. And whenever you have a younger brother, for those of you who are the older ones, you know that it gets annoying when they get like, you know, that they're 12, you're 16 and they want to go everywhere with you. Right. Then there's like, no, you're annoying. You're, you're staying at home. But, you know, that's been it. He wants to do everything that Easton wants to do. And I remember, you know, there was, there was five of us boys growing up. Five, five boys. You're thinking, yeah, how is he still alive here today? And, uh, it's actually quite an amazing feat. And, uh, I'm actually quite athletic. Uh, but <laughs> I, I don't mean to brag or anything like that. But when, us growing up, man, whenever we would do what, what, what we would do is that we would do everything that was dangerous, right? Like if it wasn't a threat to your life, it wasn't fun. And it was thrown out. That idea was taken off of the table. We did all kinds of stuff. I have a scar. Uh, I think it's right below my left eye. You can barely see it anymore. But that scar was from a BB gun war. A BB gun war. I am one, <laughs> I I was one inch away from losing sight in my left eye. But you know what? It was a blast and it was fun. We there was no safety precautions, there was no safety glasses, there was no helmets or anything like that. We just ran out and some of you are like, "Bro, we came from the generation of lawn darts. What are you talking about like?" <laughs> hey, I was at the tail end of that. I was at the tail end of that. You can't find those things. Man, those things were amazing. That was a fun game. To me, that, that might even be better than cornhole toss. I don't know. 
Maybe just because it was a whole lot more dangerous. <laughs> we would do BB gun wars, and we would do Roman candle wars, and we would do walnut wars. Anybody in the walnut war generation? Anybody? Ama- Brother Gary, yeah. Amazing. You take the first hour of the battle, and you go and you collect all the walnuts. Then you pick somebody's backyard, and that's the game. You throw them at each other. What did you use to play, like, with bricks or something like that? He used to throw bricks. All right. I'm not of that generation. <laughs> all right. We used to do all kinds of crazy stuff and, and jump off the roof onto the trampoline, not knowing where it's going to spring you. I mean, uh, it's unbelievable that I stand before you here today. Uh, I told this story in the, in the 9 a.m. that we would, we would take, my dad built us like wooden bicycle ramps. And I'm talking about like a little bitty one. I'm talking about like one that stood off this high off the ground and there was like a 10 foot launch to it and stuff. And we would take that and we would move it right beside the bonfire and we would ramp over the bonfire while my dad was throwing gasoline on the fire. Oh, man, you got some serious judgment on that. <laughs> like, people are like, father. But you know what? It made for a better picture. We were out there trying to, you know, we're trying to be on the cover of BMX magazine or something at this time. Oh, man. We would do all kinds of stuff. I remember one time we played whole town hide and, st- hide and seek. We would play the whole town. And now, I mean, Peenyville is a small town, but we would have these little radios, these walkie-talkies that we'd walk around and we'd kind of give a hint of where we were. But the thing is, we would hide in people's backyards. We didn't even know. You can't do that today. You are getting shot on sight if you do that today. But we would do it. I mean, that was just what we did. It was just having fun growing up and having siblings. And it's amazing to me the impact that you have, not even realizing it in the moment, but you're having an impact and making an impact. You're making an impact on them, and they're doing the same for you. And that impact, that influence, it doesn't stop whenever you leave home. It doesn't stop when you grow up and move out. And uh, although you might not have realized it in the moment, you are, you are making an impact on each other. And why is that? Because it is impossible to spend that much time with someone and not be impacted by them. All right? And while there are some things about growing up with your siblings that you, you know, would annoy you like my brother used to steal my clothes all the time it was annoying yes there are some things growing up that are annoying that you wouldn't want to go back Riley who are you looking at whenever I said that (laughs) there are some annoying things that you wouldn't want to go back to right but there are some things some memories that you have that live on with you forever because that made such an impact on your life why is that because it's impossible to spend that much time with someone and not be impacted by them you ever notice how you hang out with someone a a brother sister or a friend and and you kind of start to pick up their their their, their, their quirks and their sayings and you start to say the same thing that they do and you start to uh, mimic them and, and whatever quirk there is, that's because 
whenever we spend time with somebody, we begin to adopt these socialization patterns of the people that we spend time around. And in the case of your siblings, you probably spent a lot of time together. And that time also occurred during, during the most formative years of your life, of your learning and of your development. My brothers and I, we share a lot of, of the same mannerisms. We, well, you know, uh, I, I didn't really realize it right now, but whenever my parents would yell at us as kids, they would always call us by the wrong name, right? It was like, Cody, Corey, Rice. You're right, because we all were like the same child, right? And whenever you have that many children, you just don't know who it is. You just yell at all of them, right? I was always the innocent one in the back seat. It was never me, never me throwing stuff out the window. But anyways, my brothers and I, it's really kind of funny because to think back, you know, growing up together, we have the same mannerisms. We have our, our laughs are very similar. Our greetings are very similar. Our jokes are very similar and, and we have the same kind of humor and like if I think it's funny then I know my brothers are going to think it's funny and I'll call them or we'll be in the same we'll be in the same area we're like saying the same jokes we'll be dying laughing and people are like looking at us all like cross I'd be like I don't know what's wrong with those guys over there but like we know what's funny and we know all right you know what I'm talking about people are like what in the world are they doing over there but why is that is because although we didn't know it at the time, we were making an impact on each other. We were influencing each other, and we didn't even know it. We just spent so much time together. And again, it is impossible to spend that much time with someone and not be impacted by them. Our text this morning, Paul tells us in verse number 33 of chapter 15, he says, don't be misled. He said, do not be deceived that evil company corrupts good manners corrupts good character corrupts good habits you go through the first letter to the corinthians the apostle paul he wrote of the false teachers who had come into the church at corinth and he was teaching that they were teaching about the resurrection of jesus christ and that it wasn't true that it was false doctrine and these people they considered only their physical existence and they denied life after death they denied the resurrection of christ and as a result of this false doctrine their whole outlook on life their moral outlook specifically on life was influenced by the false teachers and it influenced the rest of the corinthian church the corinthian believers do you understand this morning how important truth is do you understand this morning how vital it is to know what the truth is? That's what's so frustrating in the season that you and I live in is because things are so confusing. We are so misled from day to day. We don't know what is true and what is false. What is real news and what is fake news? Jesus said in John chapter 8, and you shall Know the truth, and the truth shall make you what? Free. All right. Hear me today. It's not just truth that makes you free. It's known truth that makes you free. Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 6 that truth is the very first thing that you and I should put on. 
He says, put on the belt of truth. Some people look at that and they define truth as uh, uh, to mean honesty. Since he goes on down in, in verse 17, he talks about the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. But as you read through the book of Ephesians, when Paul mentions truth, he is clearly talking about the truth of scripture. All right. We talked about it on our Wednesday nights. I feel so bad that we're not able to gather together on Wednesday nights online is it's doing its thing. It's all right. But I'm ready for us all to gather together on midweek Bible study. There's something about cracking open that Bible and digging into the word of God. Amen. But we talked about it this past Wednesday night. Quoting a scripture is good. But knowing the truth of that scripture is even better. All right. You may quote it, but do you know it? Because it's known truth that makes the difference. It's quick. It's powerful when you know the truth. When you know what the word says, Paul, Ephesians 6 says, Stand therefore, having your loins skirt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Hear me today. Every piece of the armor is important. Every piece of the armor is vital. But truth is the foundational aspect to the entire get up. It is the it is the foundational aspect to everything else. We've got to know truth. We've got to understand it and to know it. And when we do, it separates us from everybody else. Known truth is what makes you free. Can you clap your hands unto the Lord? You see, back in Paul's day, the, the soldiers, the warriors, they would wear these loose garments, these loose articles of clothing. And uh, they would, uh, you know, growing up, we had Jinko jeans and stuff, like the baggy jeans and stuff. We, we still kept it around our waist and everything like that. But it was cool to cover your whole shoe. You might know what I'm talking about. I'm out here all by myself. Tomas, you know what I'm talking about. You know, it's cool to cover up your whole shoe. Like when you walked, you just didn't want, it was cool to not see your shoes. Unbelievable. I can't even believe I'm admitting that right now. Nowadays, I'm like, uh, I paid for the whole shoe. I want to reveal the whole shoe whenever I, I don't want any, any part of the shoe covering it up. My, they said times they are changing, right? I don't know. I remember who said that, but they said that. They wore these loose garments, these loose articles of clothing, clothing, and the purpose of the belt was to fasten all of it together. They let the belt loose only when it was time to rest, when the battle was over. But when they wanted to take action, the first thing they did was fasten their belt and their go on their way. It wasn't like your dad growing up when he would rip that belt off for an unruly child. Some of you look at your dad and be like, my goodness, was that even fastened? Like, did he even have that buckled? How did he rip it off that fast? 
That's not what I'm talking about here today. It's not like that. That's not what it was. When it was time for a warrior to take action against an enemy, they fastened that belt. And if that didn't, if they didn't do that, it was, hear me, it was very possible for them to stumble in battle over their clothing. And this, I believe, is what Paul wanted us to picture whenever he said, put on the belt of truth. Be ready to take action. Be ready to defend your faith and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because whether you believe it or not, we live in a world where we're surrounded by false doctrine and nobody knows what's true and nobody knows what's false. Let me preach to you here this morning. Put on the belt of truth. The truth of God is crucial to the victory of the believer. And you shall know the truth. And the truth shall make you free these Corinthians they started to surround themselves with false teachers and it shouldn't come as a shock to any one of us here today that they were adversely influenced by that teaching why Paul tells you bad company corrupts good character Bad company corrupts good morals. The truth is this, church, that false doctrine does not lead you to Jesus Christ. False doctrine does not lead you to separation. False doctrine does not lead you to holiness. False doctrine. Hear me today. It is critical that we are careful with who we are surrounded by. With who we, whom we form relationships with. I preach what Paul preached. Do not be misled. Don't be deceived. This environment that we are in, the environment that we choose to dwell in is important. Everybody say it's important. Our surroundings are important. Our circle is important. I, who and what we are surrounded by is vital to your success or your defeat. Yes. You go back, Brother Bishop, this was actually the second time that Paul warned them He warned the Corinthians not to be deceived. Earlier, you look at it, it's in chapter 6. He cautioned them not to take up the lifestyles of corrupt people. Those who, those who will not inherit the kingdom of God. You see, Paul knew how easily it is for people to be influenced. If it wasn't checked at the very beginning, they could easily begin to adopt such sinful ideas and behaviors and start to consider them as just normal. That's how they always are. That's how it always has been. That's just normal. And for that reason, Paul reminded them that bad company corrupts good character. I'm here preaching to this morning that who and what you are surrounded by is vital. Who and what you are surrounded by is important. You cannot be deceived. Don't be misled because evil company corrupts good character. We could just cut it off. It corrupts if we wanted to. That's all I really need to understand is that it corrupts. You probably heard it uh, more times than you can count. 
You ever heard that phrase? You're the average of the five people that you hang around. You're the average of your five closest friends. There's also another one that says, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Whichever one you pick, whichever one you've heard, they both have the same intent, and that it is this. Monitor the people that you're around. Audit the people that you are surrounded by. Make sure that you're spending time with good people that you have. You, they line up, the, their beliefs line up with what you believe, that what you want in life lines up with theirs and all that, that stuff, and you preferably want to surround yourself with people that are better than you, so it raises your average just a little bit. It's a very compelling thought. But research suggests that it actually goes deeper than the five closest friends. You are indeed influenced by people around you, but it doesn't stop with the five. It goes on. It is far more dispersed. There was a major study that it was done, and they examined the data that was set forth from one uh, from one heart study, one of the largest and longest running health studies ever. And they realized that looking at the data, that hey, this covered more than 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 just the heart health of the participants. And they were studied all, they studied all sorts of medical conditions. And during interviews, they were probed with all sorts of demographic questions, including questions about family members and questions about their friends. And so they started analyzing the data to see what the effects of family members and friends are. And so they tried to pick a fairly easy uh, and objective subject. And so they started to look at obesity. And here's what they, they said according to their results. If a friend of yours becomes obese, you yourself are 45% more likely to become obese. Kind of shocking that 45%, that is a large number. But more surprisingly, what they found that is if a friend of your friend becomes obese, your likelihood of doing the same goes to 20%. Even if you don't even know them. They're a friend of your friend. And then they go one more person out. If a friend of the friend of your friend develops obesity, you are still 10% more likely to do the same. Your friends, but not just your friends, the friends of a friend of a friend. Because they had data spanning over three decades, they were able to show a real cause and effect relationship between individuals and friends of friends. While the researchers look for a variety of explanations, it most likely one appears to be norms. Hear this. If your friend is that way, or a friend of a friend is that way that changes your perception of what is acceptable and what is not acceptable. What is an acceptable behavior and what is a not acceptable behavior. And they didn't just stop at obesity. They looked at several other categories. They looked at smokers. That if your friend is a smoker, then you are 61% more likely to become a smoker. 
And if a friend of their friend is a smoker, then you are 29% more likely. And if a friend of a friend of a friend is a smoker, you are still 11% more likely to become one. Here's the point. Your friends, your circle, the ones you're surrounded by really are your future. And the implication is that you don't just need to be more deliberate about who you're spending the most time with. You need to examine your entire network and its influence on your life. Yes. You need to know where you sit inside the circle. You're not the average of the five people that you're surrounded with. It's bigger than that. You're the average of all the people who surround you. You're the, you're the average of all the people that you are surrounded by. I simply ask you today, who's surrounding you? What's your surroundings? What's your environment? What's your circle? We wonder sometimes. We wonder, how can someone backslide? How can someone walk away from truth? How can someone walk away from a relationship with God? How can someone just stop serving God and give up and throw in the towel? How could someone do that? We can't even fathom it at times. We wonder it's so difficult to even imagine how somebody could just turn their back on the church, how somebody could just walk away. Hear me today. It's actually quite simple. And it's this, the environment that they allowed themselves to remain in, that evil company that Paul was telling us about, that they allowed to have a seat at the table for longer than it needed to be at the table, my friend. It's your environment. It's what you're surrounded by. An environment is the surroundings or conditions in which a person, animal, or plant lives or operates. It's the place, it's the condition of the object by which one is surrounded. Who are you surrounded by? What are you surrounded by? When you leave these four walls, when you walk out those doors, who and what are you surrounded by? What's your environment? I gave this example earlier. It's like jumping inside of a pool. Pools are amazing. They're great. There's a lot of fun, especially in Southern Illinois when you don't know. <laughs> you can walk out tomorrow. It's like 98 115% humidity and you're like yes a pool a dip in the pool sounds remarkable right now so you jump in the pool you go underwater and you go underwater brother Warren and you what would happen if you <gasps> you inhaled and then you exhale that's not a good thing right that's not what we teach our children whenever you jump in the now when you get to the bottom Debbie <laughs> Well, how much do you hate? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm teasing. When you get to the bottom, what you want to do is you want to <gasps> suck that in and then blow it right back out. No, it doesn't work that way, right? You jump in the water, you inhale, you exhale. It doesn't work. You know why? 
You're doing what is right to live. You're doing what is right to keep your body functioning. What's the problem? It's your surroundings. You're doing everything correctly. You're just in the wrong environment. Hear me today. Some of you get in situations where you're like, Bryce, I'm reading my Bible. I'm praying. I'm fasting. I'm doing everything I know to do that is right. But I can't feel, I don't feel like I'm getting anywhere. I don't feel like my relationship with God is progressing. I don't feel like I'm moving I just feel stuck and all of a sudden we become very frustrated and we wonder what's the problem I'm doing everything right hear me today it's not what you're doing it's where you're at currently it's your environment friend hear me today it's not possible to get closer to God while you're giving an ear to the enemy right it's your surroundings It's what you're surrounded by. Paul says, don't be misled. Evil company corrupts. If we've ever needed the gift of discernment operating in our lives, it's it's right now. It's right now. Being able to discern what is true, what is false, what is real. You need that. You need to be spirit-led. Hear me today. You've got to be spirit-led now. Don't be misled. Paul said, put on the belt of truth as our music comes. Put on the belt of truth. It was the first piece of armor mentioned. And it's appropriate because we have an enemy. Is everybody everybody with me on that? Does everybody understand that today? We have an enemy. The church is at war. We're in a spiritual war. If you don't believe me, there's no there's no data on it right now, but there'll be data come out. You look at the people that are coming out of this pandemic, this lockdown, and coming back to church and the problems that churches are having with saints, people that were on fire and faithful for God. But all of a sudden, church got paused, and you know what? evil company we surrounded ourselves with and now church is open back and they're trying to just drag us out of that you're seeing a lot of people that have been misled they've been deceived it's appropriate that Paul mentions the belt of truth as the first one because we have an enemy and here's where a lot of people make a mistake We think and believe that the enemy attacks, that when he attacks, he comes in with brute force. That he does so through the massive display of power and strength. And we think, oh, the enemy is attacking the church. Bryce, I could see it coming from miles away. can't our enemy does not employ brute force but he comes in subtly he hides his fatal weapons under a fair cloak thus making evil to appear good 
What did Isaiah tell us? Woe to them that call evil good and good evil. Whoa. Stop. We have an enemy whose blasphemous lies at first have the ring of enlightenment and profound wisdom. Oh, that's a great idea. I've never, I've never looked at it that way before. That's so amazing. That's so profound. And his attacks often come through captivating heresy. Please hear me today. The fall, the demise, the defeat of some Christians is not coming through a dazzling display of power and strength. It is coming through the subtle conversations of people that you and I are surrounded by. It's just an innocent conversation, Bryce. There's nothing, it's not a big deal. It's no biggie. But bad company corrupts good character. Would you stand with me here today? I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. I feel the Lord speaking to us right now. point that Paul makes is pertinent to all people in all ages. When we associate with or take delight in the company of people with worldly morals, hear me, we run the risk of mimicking their behaviors, their language, and their habits. And before long, we'll wake up one day and think, how did I get here? We'll wake up and we're no longer of Christ, but we are of the world. We are of this world uh, with its absolute denial of authority, with its absolute denial of absolute truth, with its rejection of the Bible as the Word of God and the ideology of relative morality. Little by little, conversation after conversation, not realizing the toxic environment that we are in. The toxic environment that we're surrounded by. So what do we do, Bryce? What's the answer? Because it's so hard. You flip up and you open your phone and it's there. Your circle's there. Your influencers are there. That's what they call them. They actually now, people online, they're called influencers. Why? Because they have this massive following of people that they are influencing. So what do we do? Paul provides us with the answer at the end of chapter 15. And this is what he says. Therefore, my dear children, my dear brothers, excuse me, stand firm. I like those words. Let nothing move you. 
always giving yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain hear me today I came as a voice of warning but I also came as a voice of encouragement and let me help you right now I want to say what Paul says as Christians we stand firm against those who would corrupt our walk with Jesus Christ as parents we stand firm against ungodly influences that may corrupt our children and as a church hear me today we stand firm against false teaching and a watered-down gospel message that doesn't change anybody it leads others astray we stand firm and we preach Christ and him crucified so what needs to go in your life What are you surrounded by right now that needs to be cut out? What needs to go? Who from your circle needs to go? Now I'm not talking, here please, don't misunderstand me. I'm not talking about avoiding ungodly people. That's not what I'm talking about at all. Jesus loved the sinner, but he didn't allow the sinner to speak into his life. We love the lost, but we're not influenced by the lost. Don't avoid people. But what needs to go? In these last days, I'm, I'm here to tell you, we need to be strong. All right? We need to stand firm. We need to be strong, unmovable. We need to be aware of who it is that we associate with, that we allow to speak in our lives. We gotta be strong in what we believe. We gotta be strong in our convictions. What's right, what's wrong, what's acceptable and what is not acceptable. I love it at the end of 1 Corinthians, Paul lists out the seven close friends that he had. And this is what he says about them. 1 Corinthians 16, 18, he says, for they refreshed my spirit. You need somebody in your life that's going to refresh your spirit. Somebody that's going to speak life. Somebody that's going to speak the truth. One of the greatest challenges you will ever face in this life is feeling like you're the only one. You're the only one. You're the only one who's messed up. You're the only one who's made that mistake. And that becomes a problem because it will put in this, in, in you a mindset where you come to church and you start thinking, nobody gets me. Nobody knows what I'm going through. Nobody knows the pain that I have. And we become so isolated. Proverbs says, he who separates himself seeks his own desire. He quarrels against all sound wisdom. Hear me today. Paul did not isolate himself. He stayed surrounded. We've got to understand the power and strength that comes from our fellowship, that comes from being with each other, that comes from being able to call a brother or a sister. You need somebody in your life that's going to refresh your spirit not drain your spirit not drain you of all spirituality 
not drain the Holy Ghost right out of your life. that God used in scripture they were broken they had major weaknesses major flaws but you know what they stayed surrounded by people that refreshed their spirit what's at stake your success your victory or your loss defeat would you bow your head close your eyes in this place as they begin to sing, I just want to invite you to talk to the Lord for a little bit in this place. Hey, you got the privilege of being in the 11 a.m. service. We're not in any hurry to get out of here today. But I feel the Holy Ghost moving in this place so strong. I feel God dealing with you right now. Would you just be sensitive to that? Would you be sensitive to his word right now? Come on, would you talk to him right now? If you want to kneel at your seat, turn your seat into an altar. Come on, that is perfectly acceptable right now. Come on, hear the call of the Lord. Hear the voice of the Lord today. Lord, help me. I need to audit, God, the people that I'm around, God, my surroundings, God, what I'm surrounded by. Thank you for listening to the Landmark Apostolic Church Podcast. You can follow this podcast for more great episodes from the Landmark family. Thank you once again for listening to the Landmark Apostolic Church's podcast. God bless.